0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia.
1: On today's episode, we have Lauren.
0: Hello. And James. Hi. Today's
1: episode, we're going to teach you how to beat the sun and the heat. In our summer special, whether that be chilling drinks super fast using a reverse microwave, some stone plants which actually bury themselves underground to escape from the sun's heat, there are a number of cool ways to beat the heat this summer.
0: And now we launch into our launchpad news segment.
1: For summer, of course, let's talk about what is the hottest place on Earth, and this is a really, really interesting question, because if we go by the pure, raw peak of the hottest place on Earth, you are really struggling to beat. Death Valley in California. This place has a a peak temperature of about 56.7 degrees. That is the hottest that they've ever actually managed to record there. Um, And that that is really... Really hot, and Death Valley is the place uh, where you can obviously go and uh, try and fry eggs on the road. There, in fact, it's actually a major problem for this stretch of road because people keep trying to go there and fry eggs, and uh, it basically makes the ro- they don't really cook through, and it's kind of weird, and the road is covered in a gunk. And it's a really, really hot, dry, desolate valley where you can die if you are not careful. Some animals live there, like the Roadrunner, the bird that the Roadrunner is based of. It actually lives in Death Valley, along as as long with a lot of other different creatures that live there. And it's really, really hot. The highest peaks on Earth have been recorded there. Problem is, though, if you go to the hottest average temperature, not the hottest peak temperature, it leads you to another place, DeLol in Ethiopia, which we've spoken of before as being uh, as the hardest inhabited place. Because the temperature there averages around 35 degrees That's the average, but regularly in summer it averages more like 40 to 45. Now, that's nuts, because it is constantly that temperature, mainly because they are near a fault line called the Delor Volcano, which is basically where New Earth is being created near constantly as the plates themselves pull apart. So magma is being exposed, and it makes it for a very, very hot and desolate place. So Death Valley or Delol in Ethiopia, both very hot places, so if you're sweltering this summer, think about how worse it could be if you were located at one of these places.
0: So Justin, we might not be living in Death Valley or off in Ethiopia where it's the hottest places in the, hottest place on the earth, but it does get pretty hot over here in Melbourne. So I'm going to teach you some cool ways to beat the heat.
1: Alright Lauren, I'm ready to learn.
0: First of all, there's actually this invention called wristify.
1: Wait, so this is like Spotify for your wrist?
0: Uh, no, not not at all. To be honest, this is uh, more similar to actually strapping an ice block to your wrist.
1: So, so wait, what? They they're using a, a a bit of ice to your wrist, but wouldn't that obviously melt? That's not very that's not very efficient. So, what are they what are they doing to actually make it work as a machine?
2: All right. So, what they're using is a uh, more or less, if you can imagine, if you ever looked inside a computer, they have most of them are fairly sizable to outright gigantic heat sinks, and this is because little CPUs produce a hell of a lot of heat. So what someone's done is essentially gotten a very large heat sink out of a CPU and then built it into a wrist out of a computer, and then built it into a wrist a wristwatch, coupled with a thermocouple, which is something that basically uses electrical energy to pump heat. So it'll take, it'll have two sides, be a little plate with some wires coming off it. When you turn it on, one side will get really hot and one side will get really cold because what the device is doing is it's taking heat from one side to the other. Um, so it's a little heat engine. And so basically what you do is you use the fact that certain points in your body determine how hot you feel. So this device straps to your wrist where there's a pulse point where if you cool this point you'll feel much colder. It puts the cold side of the thermocouple over this pulse point and then puts the hot side on the other side of a heat sink. And the heat sink just carries the heat away into the air.
1: And that's a really ingenious invention from some students at uh, MIT. And they, they obviously won first prize in their uh, materials and designing materials competition, MadMEC. <laughs> because uh, it was a, it's a really ingenious invention. So the machine itself requires power to run. So all it's doing, as James described, is pumping heat away from your body into the heat sink, which then dissipates in the air. Um, but it requires a battery to run, obviously, and at the moment it runs for about eight hours. This isn't bad, you're considering that's eight hours of having being able to feel cool when it's very hot without requiring expensive air conditioning or a lot of fans.
0: Would this be an expensive option, though? I mean, you have to replenish it every single time if it only lasts eight hours.
1: Yeah, and that's true. Lipo batteries aren't cheap or safe, really, to run. Lithium polymer batteries are really super powerful, high-charge batteries, and uh, they're not the most safest of things because they have a tendency to catch fire and explode dangerously. Um, if in a shocking or a, like a large crashed-up environment. So they're not the safest things, but they but again, have enough
2: power output for you. If you, if, you can, if you can consider it, you don't necessarily have to use such a powerful battery, and there's lots of interesting implications with, say, induction charging that is often seen in phones, that you could adapt in a mass-market situation to have uh, just a couple of these that you just plonk on top of a pad,
1: let it recharge, strap back on your wrist. Well, I think you have a really incredible invention where you have a desktop, and so as your hands are lying on the desk, as you're typing away at your keyboard or using your mouse, it's actually cooling the desktop itself, like an induction pad, is cooling your hands down, and thus cooling down your entire body. And that would be a really clever adaptation of the same technology uh, to a, a more simple environment.
0: So, is this actually cooling your entire body down, or is it just tricking you into thinking? It? Well, it's pretty. It's only
1: cooling your wrists, right? So this gets into another, I guess. Life, life hack into uh tricking you to be cold and that's whether you can apply ice or cool down specific points on your body where the pulse is to actually cool yourself down uh, and this uses this uses the fact that the blood is pulsing through here uh, through your pulse points on your neck, on your wrist on your legs um, and if you can actually cool down the blood as it's going through there by the contact with the ice pack or a heat sink um, it would actually pass along that coolness across your entire body
0: So maybe someday soon we'll see kids out and about walking around with the latest bling in the form of a wristify watch.
1: Yeah, that would be really funny because if you pair the wristify watch with, say, um, Samsung's and Apple's new smart iPhone watches, this would be really funny because you'll have, like, one of your watches will be cooling you down on one arm, and on your other arm you'll have, like, the latest iPhone smart Galaxy S watch where you'll basically be checking out all your text messages and everything on that, which will be producing heat as well. So one wrist will be cold, and one wrist will be warm, and both wrists will be super powered technology.
0: And with the with the force of the two powers unite,
1: and yeah. cancel to zero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what are the what are the tips and tricks can you use to stay cool in the summer, Laura?
0: Well, it turns out a wristed fire watch is not the only thing that can keep you cool. You can also go out and hug a tree.
1: Wait. I understand that tree huggers and hippies are cool people, Lauren, but why? Why will hugging a tree? Make them be cool.
0: So the reason behind this is actually because trees sweat. And when I say that, I mean that tree leaves um, transpire, which means that they're releasing water out into the atmosphere. And if you come up and hug a tree, then you're actually inside this little humid environment, which is actually slightly cooler than surrounding air around it.
1: So they're actually pumping out this water to to actually get rid of it, um, after they've sucked all the nutrients out of it, and the process in which they're doing, that's actually cooling the air around them down, which means that not only are you are in the shade, which is good, but also the trees producing stuff that is cooling you down, That that's really cool, literally.
0: It turns out a tree isn't the only thing um, that you can hug to cool down this summer. What you can actually hug as well is actually rice in a tube sock.
1: Okay. You're going to have to run this past me again. Why will hugging some rice in a sock make me feel cooler? Because at the moment, if I'm doing that, I'm pro- my mental image is not someone who's cool.
0: Okay, so while the rice itself in the tube sock doesn't have any magical thermal properties, so although the um, rice itself doesn't have any magical thermal properties, it's actually, um, you can use it to surround yourself. And it easily moulds around your body to conduct the heat away.
1: Even when it's um, cold or frozen.
0: And you can actually do this while sleeping. So just fall asleep on a whole bunch of rice tube socks.
1: Which will actually mould around you and keep you cool. It's a bit like sleeping on a bag of frozen peas, for example. Just has a major advantage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And and it's it's pretty interesting because it's actually talking about using their conductivity to to take away the heat from you by using something that's cold. The only problem is that eventually, once you have an equilibrium point, this will limit itself in effectiveness. But even then,
2: once it's at an equilibrium point, you'll just increase the surface area, so radiation will actually cool you faster.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's actually really funny. As a side note, you can actually heat these up in the microwave and use them during winter to make you feel warm.
1: Well, that's a, that's a multi-purpose. So use that rice uh, for... A reverse the, cycle rice system. Exactly. So uh, what, else, what else can you have to keep cool alone?
0: Well, despite what you may think, actually eating spicy food can help cool you down. You're
1: going to have to run that past me again, because I feel like I'm on fire if I eat chilli. I don't want to feel like I'm on fire if I want to be cold. Especially not during bushfire season.
0: So if you're eating something spicy, for example like capsicums, they actually bind to the pain receptors in your mouth and create a sensation of heat without actually increasing the temperature in your mouth. And so your brain is tricked to think that your mouth is heating up and then start sweating and as the, when that sweat then evaporates you actually manage to feel cooler so by eating that hot food you're sweating more and the sweat is evaporating and you cool yourself down
1: so that, that would apply to chilies as well as Sichuan hot pots or any other spicy food that you can come up with so uh, I won't have to think about that next one uh, uh, I'm uh, in a pinch and feeling really hot wear, wear a wristifier watch to cool me down surround myself with socks of rice, hug a tree and eat some chilies.
0: Now, Justin. When do you think of microwave? What do you what what immediately comes to mind?
1: Um, nuking or reheating a dinner so I can eat it nice and warm uh, the next day. And Ten if... to the minus six measures. All that. All that.
0: <laughs> then if I say reverse microwave, what do you think?
1: I think of uh, cooling my dinner really slowly. That that that's all I can come up with. What what do you what do you get, Emma?
0: What I'm getting at, Justin, is that a reverse microwave has been invented. It works opposite to a microwave and it can chill a drink in 45 seconds.
1: That That's crazy because if you think about having to put something in the freezer, if you're having a nice drink or chilling something down, it takes a long time. And if you put something in the freezer, for example, it can be really dangerous because you could freeze and then carbonate and then explode. Pro tip: do not leave soft drink in a freezer for too long, it will actually explode from expansion. That is bad, and that can be really, really dangerous. <laughs> um, also, if you actually try and chill something really quickly, say with liquid nitrogen, you can actually destabilize or ruin the carbonation in a soft drink. the organic molecules. Exactly, which could also be really dangerous. So, these, some researchers in the EU have developed a uh, new type of chilling process. That involves using vortices of viscous fluid.
0: What what are you talking about vortices of viscous fluid? Are you talking about some kind of like cooling vortex?
1: Yeah so when we say when it's like a reverse microwave what we mean is that it's a thing that you can put something inside and press chill. It's not actually using microwaves because obviously that would heat it is actually using uh, spinning vortices of viscous fluid in a stop-start process that they call a Rankine vortex. So it's not like a continually spinning um, uh, vortex that you think of when you think of like a sinkhole or something like that, or or a water spout. Um, It's actually something that spins one way and then stops and spins the other way in a really stop-start process. And they do that to mean that they don't disturb the carbonation in the drink.
0: Does this mean you can still have fizzy, fizzy drinks even after this process? That's
1: right. That's the goal. So it's being developed by a company called VTEX, which are the developer of the technology. And they're saying that by doing this, by using this uh, viscous fluid, they can actually do thermal conductivity. And, they, and the vortex itself means that you get more contact and you increase the use convection effectively to transfer uh, more heat away from the object quickly and pass along the coolness effectively. In a very quick process
0: so how is this any different from like normal um, cool drink um, chillers
1: well you normally drink chillers are stationary so you'll put or submerge something in ice or in cold water and cold fluid and just let it absorb out slowly by moving the water across it you increase conduct you uh, increase convection and pass away the heat better that way but by using the stop-start process you can actually make it be less damaging to the actual thing itself what the contents inside Now the other benefit of this is it's a lot less energy intensive because all you're doing is using the fluid that's already chilled and then just spinning it around like a washing machine almost. So you're not like trying to snap freeze something which requires a lot of energy or pump your freezer at crazy high temperatures which also uses a lot of of energy because you have to run it for a long time. So, this could do it in 45 seconds to chill a bottle of champagne, for example, in their demonstration video, in about 45 seconds.
0: So, could this be compared to like hanging your clothes out to dry on like the washing line or sticking them in the washing, um, in a dryer?
1: Yeah, pretty much. And that's a really interesting piece of technology that they're developing here, which hopefully enable you to keep cool with your drinks really quickly. Have you ever felt really hot and dark? figured that you know to stay cool you'll bury yourself in the ground.
0: Well aren't there um, people who go and build themselves little houses um, under like mountains and
1: things? That's what the people in Coober do for example in uh, South Australia. But plants have come up with an interesting way to also do something similar and in Southern Africa there's some plants called the lithops or living stones as they're colloquially known and they're a certain type of plant which buries themselves in the desert or the rocky ground in southern Africa. This has a lot of benefits for them. So firstly, they're not in front of many predators because they have minimal slope uh, profile and they look like rocks. So not many predators really think to go chew on them, which is immediately a win. But something else that they do that's really great is that they have a little window on the top which of, their, of the plant right, which lets light in. And the rest of the leaves, the plant parts of the plant, actually buried underneath the ground safely stored away where they're not going to get burnt or eaten or damaged by the glaring hot sun but the light passes through this like filter layer to reach it underneath the ground
0: this is really cool because when you originally said plants living underground I was like that's great except don't they get all their energy from photosynthesis and the Sun how can this be
1: Yeah, so they basically build themselves a glass house, which is submerged in the ground, with a top little skylight that lets light in down to them And the skylight's
2: actually really cool, because it filters out the things like UV light that the plant doesn't need, but lets through the frequencies that the plant, or chlorophyll, absorbs to make energy. So it basically just cherry-picks the frequencies it needs and rejects everything else.
1: And it actually uses a biochemical process to block out the UV light. And this is really cool for us, because if we can figure out how to adapt that, uh, into a sunscreen, we can actually make much better protection for ourselves from UV light. If, so we use a lot of technologies to actually block the sunlight, and most of it, most of it is actually based on reflecting it using creams and so on, but this would be another different type of process that we could adapt. So uni- researchers from the University of Sheffield are actually really keen on turning and changing uh, the chemical process that these plants are using to a way that humans could benefit from.
2: Plants themselves can actually adjust themselves as well. So full sun or full shade or to cause the day though, moves to, uh, something that's been termed photosynthetic machinery which is I think quite a grandiose term for what I imagine is essentially the, the, the top bits of the rocks opening and closing themselves yeah, and they're, they're
1: almost p- like clams, they're opening up to let in more sunlight or closing up when they don't need to. And,
2: choo- and choose their amounts to precisely moderate and fit into a majority of climates, so it's a really interesting further adaption on top of this of a filter system.
1: And if you're able to adapt other plants to actually do this process, you could grow all kinds of crops in these natural greenhouses and then harvest them without having to build uh, lots of ways to keep them cool or um, uh, keep them watered. If they just did this themselves, they would be much hardier and they'd be able to cope with much more dangerous environment. You might be able to grow plants in places you never thought possible. You could grow your wheat like it was a potato. Exactly. So this is some really interesting work being done by the University of Sheffield
0: this has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point.
1: This week we talked about ways to chill out and stay cooler than cool, be ice cold, using reverse microwaves, hugging trees and other pro tips, and strapping things to our wrists to be wristifyingly cool.
0: Our ending theme was composed by AudioNatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.